people think that the rich get richer because the system is corrupt or the, you know, the rich have massive tax breaks and the, the poor aren't well treated or the broke aren't well treated. There's a difference, by the way, between poor and broke. But actually, that's not necessarily true. Now, do billionaires um, avoid tax? Yes. And do they have loopholes that they leverage? Yes. And anyone who's broke, who had the ability or the position to do that, they would do the same thing too. But there's actually many more ways that the rich get richer that most people don't know. And I'm going to share them with you right now. Let's get in. Number one, the rich learn the rules of money. The broke don't know the rules of money. Money flows from those who value it least to those who value it most. Money flows from those who manage it worst to those who manage it best. Money flows from those who spend to those who invest. Money flows from those who manage their emotions badly to those who manage their emotions well. Money is a universal exchange of value, a medium of account, a store of value and worth. So these are some of the laws and functions of money. Whereas many broke people say, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil and money makes you greedy and turns you into a bad person or money doesn't make you happy. And they make all these statements. They actually don't know what money is. So when you learn what money is and you learn to observe the laws of money, you learn to make and manage and master and retain more money. Now, look, there are dozens of laws of money. I'm actually writing a new book on money called The Laws of Money. And I've written the best-selling book in the UK on money, according to my publisher, called Money. So if you want more on The Laws of Money, you can grab my book Money anytime you like. I want to move on to the second reason that the rich get richer. is because the rich invest in assets and the broke spend on liabilities. The rich invest in assets and the broke spend on liabilities. So the broke are living on the breadline. They can only buy things that depreciate. Of course, there's, you know, sustenance and living expenses that you have to cover. But generally, the broke are consumers and the rich are producers. The broke spend on depreciating liabilities, you know, that they, they, they rent. And of course, that turns to nothing. They don't invest in assets that produce income and capital growth. Uh, yeah, the broke do go broke trying to look rich. That's definitely often the case. So simply, over time, you will gain more wealth if you take that money that you spend on depreciating liabilities and invest it in appreciating assets. So maybe you, you buy a house. You know, I know a lot of the American influencers say you should never buy a house. I don't agree. Well, it might be different in America, but I can tell you in the UK, a mortgage is cheaper than rent, pound for pound for the house. So you're spending less on a mortgage and houses are virtually guaranteed to go up in the UK. They've been virtually doubling every sort of 12 to 15 years, sometimes quicker. You can offset expenses against the refurbishment of your house. And when you sell your house and move to another house, you don't have to pay any capital gains tax. So actually, 
You are wise to invest in a house or in real estate or invest in certain watches, for example, like you know, Rolex Daytonas, or you invest in NFTs or cryptocurrencies as long as you um, learn how to invest in them properly uh, and that you understand that um, they are a more volatile or higher speculative um, investment. But, you know, you can invest in a managed fund in the stock market or a hedge fund. You can invest your your ISA or your maximum taxable allowance every year. Or you could also um, invest in a business and, and you have more control over how a business grows because you can put sweat, equity and resources of time and energy and partnerships and collaborations and passion and drive and persistence as well as resources of money. So basically, the difference between an asset and a liability is a liability costs money, it goes down in value, uh, and an asset goes up in value. Often your education and knowledge and experience is an asset. They say your network is your net worth. Okay, so the third thing that makes the rich get richer, and therefore the broke get broker. And by the way, just so you know, I'm not judging broke or poor. The reason I, I explain the difference between the poor and the rich, sorry, the poor and the broke, is poor is not your fault because you were born in a developing country. Uh, You were born um, in a family, in in a location where there is a lack of resources or there's a corrupt government or there's just no wealth. That's not your fault. But if you're in a developed country, the first world, as they used to say, where you've got the internet and resources and social media, then... You actually, but you don't make any money. That's broke. Um, Bill Gates says, if you're born poor, it's not your fault. If you die poor, it is your fault. So there's the difference between broke and poor. So I'm really talking about broke. But another reason that the rich get richer and the the broke get broker (laughs) is because of momentum, compounding and velocity. And I actually haven't even got this on my agenda. But. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. A body at rest tends to stay at rest. So what the people don't tell you who moan about the rich getting richer and that there's something wrong and corrupt with the system is actually not. It's momentum and compounding and velocity. It's directional movement. It's lack of friction, increase of speed. So a body in motion tends to stay in motion. So someone who's rich tends to gain more wealth through compounding. A body at rest tends to stay at rest. Someone who's broke tends to stay broke. It's much more difficult to go from broke to rich and, and, and to go from rich to broke, i.e. a body in motion to stop or a body at rest to start. Have you seen the truck pull? You know, world's strongest, strongest man, the truck pull. Well, even the strongest men in the world are really grafting to get that truck just to roll inches. But once they've got it moving, that truck's moving pretty fast and it's pushing themselves and then it's hard to stop. Like the world's strongest man is not going to stop a truck. So that's 0.2.5. There you go. you got a little bonus one there. Okay, so the third point is reinvesting profits back into growth. So I wouldn't say that anyone can be rich. And I wouldn't say that, um, you know, anyone can have a one-off success. But it's more likely that someone can have a one-off success than has enduring success. So the difference between a one-off success and enduring success is that a one-off success will make some money and then they'll draw it, they'll spend it, They'll have to pay tax on it and they'll take it out 
of that company or that asset that they made the money from, or they'll change their mind and do another business model and they'll um, go and do something else. And they won't like you have the golden goose and it was laying some golden eggs and then you got hungry and you just laid the thing and ate it. And now you're not getting any golden eggs. So the really rich, the enduring rich over decades or generations, they reinvest profits back into growth to get compounding. So for example, whenever I invest in the stock market, I always turn the accumulation button on. An accumulation is when you draw profits, you reinvest them back into the stock as opposed to drawing the profit. Because if you draw the profit, you don't get the compounded growth. So um, when I draw um, profits from my company, I'll obviously draw as much in expenses as I le legitimately can. And you can go on your government we website and work out what all are all your legitimate expenses so that some of your costs are not taxed. And then what I'll do is I'll retain half the profit. So I'll retain about 50% profit that will stay in the company uh, and it will get reinvested into staff, into systems and software, into research and development, into marketing and sales, into recruitment. Now, when um, COVID lockdown 1.0, 2.0 and 17.0 happened, you know, we were burning hundreds of thousands a month in overhead. But because we'd retained 50 odd percent of our profits over 15 years, we had those millions of pounds to burn through. And we, 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 I won't say we didn't panic. It was certainly scary when, you know, when you've got a big overhead and I'm talking a, a seven figure a, a month overhead, which I guess, okay, it's not big for Elon Musk, <laughs> but big enough for me. But, um, you know, you've got to know how much burn rate you've got of capital. So how many months can you survive without income? And so Bill Gates said he always wanted to build up to get to two years which basically meant if he made no sales for two years, he's got enough cash to pay all of his overhead. And so we, we'd always worked on that theory. And of course, if you reduce your overhead down, then you can, you've got longer burn rate. So when you reinvest profits back into growth, one, you've got cash to um, fight off irregular shocks, COVIDs, lockdowns, wars, disruptions, et cetera, in your business. But two, you get that compounded growth like I said, into all those areas of research and development and resources and software and systems and marketing and sales, etc. Okay, so the fourth thing that the rich do to get richer is they reduce their tax, they minimize their tax, and they take advantage of tax breaks. Now, the broke hate this. And I think mainstream media is, it makes the billionaire the evil one. In every superhero movie, the baddie is pretty much a billionaire. <laughs> So they make the billionaires look bad. But let me ask you this. Let, let's say that you're not a billionaire. You're a zero air <laughs> or you're a thousandaire and you're not a millionaire. And you could use all the tax breaks that the billionaires do. Would you or wouldn't you? I believe you would. Of course, you're probably going to say to me, well, Rob, as long as they're ethical, moral and legal, I would use the tax loopholes that are available to me. You would be stupid not to. Why would you pay tax when you don't have to. Now, some people say, oh, well, I want to pay tax because I want to invest back into my economy, etc. And I get that. And you'll pay your fair share no matter what, because they'll get their fair share. But I would say at the moment, um, it's the tax is unfair. It's penal. Uh, and I wouldn't say that it's being used in the best way. Like in the UK, the NHS is pretty screwed. Education's not really involved. The infrastructure is old. Um, the, the, the government's too bloated. There's too many politicians that have got to be paid. There's billions in debt that's got to be paid back for the track and trace app and the PPE that they wrote off and the COVID loans that they loaned to the wrong people and they've had to write off. So there's tens of billions that's getting wasted. 
So would I rather give my money to them or give my money to my staff and, you know, my um, used to grow my company? So I have a fiduciary duty. I have a duty to the company to use all the tax breaks there, because if I don't use all the tax breaks and my uh, overhead is higher, then that could cause me issues. So I have a fiduciary duty to minimize my tax bill. Now, they'll get you. So it's not like you're going to make it at zero. You're always going to pay VAT on sales or other sales taxes in different countries. Um, and, you know, there's business rates and there's national insurance employers and employees and there's corp tax and income tax. And every which way you go, there's a tax. But there's lots of things you can offset. Now, it depends on your jurisdiction, your, um, you know, the local rules and regulations in your city or country. Of course, you've got um, state and um, national taxation in some countries as well. But um, my business partner's been developing a real estate project. Well, two big real estate projects for us. It's actually about probably 220 tenants. I would say in dollar value, you're probably talking $32 million, something like that. And what he said to me was, now that we've finished them, he's really pleased because he can now get back to helping us uh, on our um, tax affairs again. Because we've paid millions in tax because he's taken his eye off the ball of looking at all of our offsetable tax allowances. Now, we've got them going back, but they change all the time. And it's like a dance. It's a bob and weave and it's a duck and dive. I, I begrudge no one, no billionaire, no investor, no entrepreneur. I begrudge no one reducing their tax bill legitimately, morally and ethically. And you have a fiduciary duty to do that. And you must do that. And there are many things you can offset against tax. You don't know that you can offset against tax. So get on your local government website and go find it all out. OK, um, number five, then, of how the rich get richer and the broke get broker is leverage. So I think it was Archimedes that said, and I'm paraphrasing, with a lever big enough, you can move the world. So leverage is achieving more with less. It might be leveraging money, banks, people, mentors, systems, software, uh, you name it. Uh, it might be leveraging social media, the internet, collaborations, um, other people's audiences. But there's so many things you can leverage, i.e. you're not just relying on your sweat. You're not just relying on your knowledge and your resources. They say your network is your net worth. So... Um, I don't know about my friends in America and Australia and Europe and all the countries in the world that people follow me, but I can tell you in the UK, in my generation, so I'm 43. I know I don't look it. I know I don't sound it, <laughs> but I'm 43. And, you know, my um, parents, you know, they're, they're not long after World War II. Um, so they're raised in the industrial age, really. So all you really knew in the industrial age is work hard and sweat and overtime. That's all you knew. Whereas now we're in the information age, we're in the recommendation age, you know, we're in the Web3 and metaverse and internet age where you really can leverage. So I'm currently live on Clubhouse and Instagram and I'm recording a, a podcast episode for my money podcast. So I've got multiple leverage there because I'm not just on one channel, I'm on three channels. And normally if I was doing this talk and there's no internet, my audience is none. <laughs> But now I can reach my quarter of a million people on Instagram. I can reach my 291,000 people on um, Clubhouse and my millions of subscribers and downloaders on my podcast. So I can, you can get leverage of social media, leverage of platforms. So you have to think differently with leverage. My dad taught me to work hard. 
Whereas I have to think, work smart. My dad taught me graft, but I have to think, craft. My dad taught me to work harder than everyone else, whereas I have to think about who can I leverage. My dad taught me to solve all my problems myself. I have to learn to get other people to solve problems for me, whether they're outsourcers or staff or, or mentors. Now, you can leverage money. Money's a great lever. So in this, um, I told you about two developments my business partner and I are doing. Um, in fact, I'll pop a picture of one of them on my Instagram stories because it's a meaty project. It's very big. Um, although I suppose it's big is, um, it's probably about half the size of the cathedral. <laughs> so uh, cathedrals are pretty big. Oh, I'd love to take that cathedral and turn it into multi-lets. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, so if that was about 27, 25, 20, let's do, say 25 million, just because that's easy for numbers. If that was $25 million, um, I'd probably put in about a million dollars. My business partner put in a little bit more. Let's call it $1.5 million. And the rest was the banks or equity. So we didn't put all $25 million in to buy that. We had a lender on the way in and a lender on the refinance. And so, you know, the loan to value is, I think, 60, between 64 and 68%, maybe, something like that. Um, so we we're able to leverage banks, leverage lenders, leverage main contractors and subcontractors, leverage planners, leverage tenants, leverage architects, etc., to develop a, a real estate um, apartment block like that. So this is the thing. We're kind of taught, if you're in my generation, about hard work. And a lot of the American influencers are hustle and grind and 10x and 24-7, 365 and lunches for losers and it's not the smartest way. You've probably got an optimum amount of work a day. And I would, I would argue it's not more than four hours, maybe five. Um, I know Robin Sharma and he said optimum is four to five hours. That's it. You can't be productive, effective. You can't think well, make good choices and prioritize really above four to five hours, proper, deep, focused work a day. And so you have to go beyond that and leverage because once you go beyond that, you've got nothing more that you can get out of yourself. Okay, number six on why the rich get richer and the broke get broker is, well, well six and seven and eight are all kind of linked and they're a bit more modern. So right now you can invest and, and create digital assets and you can gain mass distribution from digital assets. You can create multiple streams of income. So six, seven and eight are digital assets with mass distribution to create multiple streams of income. And I'll, I'll just pick them off one by one, but they're linked. So a digital asset is your followers on Instagram, your listeners on Clubhouse, your subscribers on your podcast, your NFTs, your cryptocurrencies, your domain names, your blog traffic, your email subscribers, your website and, you know, the, the, the SEO rank it has and the traffic that it has and the ability it has to attract subscribers and advertisers. These are all digital assets. Now, what I love about digital assets is they're faster, easier and cheaper. So I just told you I've done a $27 million real estate development. That is expensive, slow and hard. <laughs> I'm telling you, very expensive, millions, fucking slow, five years and really freaking hard, especially through COVID and having a main contract to go bust on us and sink and lose 350 grand of our own money and then having to become the main contractor and deal with all of the subcontractors and all sorts of stuff. So it's not like I don't want to, it's not like I'm, fatigued by real estate. I love real estate, but I just know, and you know, that thing will make 2 million a year in 
um, income and, and I'll have it for the rest of my life. But man, that was that put a few gray hairs on the beard. Whereas I set up my Rob.team membership site platform in less than a day. I set up my Instagram account in five minutes. I set up on Clubhouse in seven minutes. Between Instagram and Clubhouse, uh, since, well, let's say in the last 12 months, it's actually a bit less, but in the last 12 months on Instagram and Clubhouse, I've gained over half a million followers. And that cost me my time. So that's the power of a digital asset. I launched my NFT series. Very small minting fees, like not even hundreds of dollars. But that cost me my creativity, my resources, my time, my innovation. Not hardcore cash. So you want to really get into this digital asset space. And now we're in Metaverse and Web 3.0 and the evolution of NFTs and cryptocurrencies. It's an exciting place to be. I will give you a word of warning because it's really important. If you're going to go in with not much knowledge, start really small. You know, risk $100. Not a, I just bought a $200 NFT today. <laughs> it's the, um, I've been tuned. <laughs> now, I don't know anything about it. But $200 is nothing. But if I knew nothing about it and it was $20,000 or $200,000, I'd be a fool. I'd be an absolute fool. So when you don't know something, go really small. Now, you know, some people say, never invest in anything you don't understand. I don't actually agree with that, actually. I'm going to make a note of that. I'm going to write that as a, a blog. Um, right, here we go. Why never invest in anything you don't understand is totally wrong. Now, the reason that never invest in anything you don't understand is totally wrong is because you have to start somewhere. Uh, like I can fly a helicopter. I've got two different types of pilot's license. And the Robinson R-22 was the first helicopter I flew. And it took me, I think, about 14 hours of flying with my instructor before I uh, flew solo. And when you fly solo for the first time, it is the most nerve wracking but exhilarating experience ever. Now, before you fly solo, you've never flown solo. And even though your instructor knows you can fly solo, you are bloody nervous about flying solo. And he'll even warn you, like, it will lift off light because, you know, Robinson R44s are not very heavy. I think they're like 500 kilos. I don't know, but they're really light. And so when your 80 kilo um, instructor gets out, that's a big weight that's out. And he says it will really be light and it will come off light. And, but you're not prepared for it. But you only learn to fly a helicopter solo by flying a helicopter solo. So actually, start investing small. Buy a domain name for $100. Launch your own membership site and start it. So distribution is number seven. So distribution is your reach into revenue and your impact into in income. How many subscribers and followers and fans do you have? How many partners and how deep a supply chain? How many users have you got? Why are these companies selling for billions when they're pre-revenue? Because they've got millions or billions of users. Why are Facebook and Amazon and, you know, um, all these kind of big tech platforms, Google, YouTube, why are these worth billions or hundreds of billions or even now some of them are becoming trillion dollar company? Because they have two billion users. And if they had two users or 200 users or even two million users, they would not be these billion or nearly trillion dollar entities. So you need distribution, reach into revenue, impact into income. And therefore, you need to learn about promotion and you need to learn about building an audience, and building a brand and building a customer base and generating leads. And these are things that people don't do. So um, I just finished Will Smith's autobiography. It was actually I finished it the day he did the slap. So it's actually quite a, a timely 
um, end to the autobiography. And Will Smith met Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis and Sliced Alone at the opening of Planet Hollywood. And at the time, they were the three biggest actors in the world. And Will Smith went up to them all and said, hey, I want to be the biggest actor in the world. <laughs> Will Smith doesn't speak like that. But um, what do I need to do? And it's obviously a smart thing to ask people who are already there. And they all looked at each other with that wise old um, look. And they all sort of let Arnold Schwarzenegger answer. And Arnold said, you can't just be big in America. You've got to be big all over the world. You've got to be known in every country. Your films have got to be in every country. So Will Smith was, thanks for the advice. And he went and took that on board. And then he thought, who could I find who's the best at promoting their films in every country? And it was Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise was doing four hours of signings a day. Tom Cruise is famous for signing millions of autographs. So Will Smith learned from Arnold Schwarzenegger and then copied Tom Cruise that if you want to be the best or the most successful or the highest paid actor in the world, it is not just the quality of the film. It is how much you promote it. Michael Caine, um, in his autobiography, said, if I get paid 10 million for a film, I'm actually getting paid, in my mind, 2 million to make the film and 8 million to promote the film. So actually, self-promotion and promotion, Donald Trump was one of the best at it. And of course, he ruled the world when he had 90 million followers on Twitter and 90 million followers on Facebook. And then when he got platformed, deplatformed and banned, all of a sudden, his impact in the world is way lower because he hasn't got the distribution and the channels anymore. So distribution, channels... Roots to market, customers, followers, fans, subscribers. This is how you build vast distribution and then you monetize your digital assets. Now, actually, contrary to what most people think, a lot of people think that maybe Clubhouse, because I'm nearly 300,000 on Instagram, because I'm a quarter of a million or similar on Facebook, they think that maybe they're my biggest channels of distribution, but they're not. My biggest channel of distribution is my podcast because I have tens of millions of downloads and um, subscribers in 204 countries with 800 episodes. So a podcast is a great way to create distribution, deep distribution. I don't have 204 countries of people listening to me on Clubhouse or watching me on Instagram. I might have 12 or 15, but on podcast is 204. So actually, if you go to robmore.com forward slash pod, on the other side of that page, you can gain access to my Disruptors podcast, all 800 episodes, completely free. Uh, by the way, I will never charge subscription service for my podcast. I have my own members platform, so I'll keep that to that. Many people are now charging subscriptions for podcasts. I never will. But if you go to robmore.com forward slash pod, pop your details in. On the other side, you can immediately subscribe to the Disruptors podcast. 800 episodes, 17 billionaires interviewed, Floyd Mayweather not once but twice, Logan Paul, the biggest actress in Game of Thrones. Uh, you name them, I've interviewed them. Uh, and I've got some of my guests before Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or other of the biggest podcasters in the world have got them. That's all at robmore.com forward slash pod. I've just pinned the link. So you should be able to see the link pinned. Now, you'll also see on that page, robmore.com forward slash pod. I've got some gifts there for you that are very much linked to what I've been talking about, about digital assets and distribution. So the rich get richer by learning the rules of money, investing in assets, reinvesting profits back into growth, reducing their tax and taking advantage of tax breaks and loopholes, leverage of money and people and mentors and systems and information like Rob.team leverages the internet, leverages information. You can turn your information into income with a membership site, a book, an audio book, a course, a mastermind, mentoring, group coaching, software, software as a service, SaaS. That's seven or eight different ways to turn information into income. They use digital assets as well as physical assets. They're vast distribution. 
and they have multiple streams of recurring income. So thanks for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Everything.